Hello and welcome to Spirit Pig. Our mission is fulfillment for everyone. The goal of this show is to introduce you to the people and ideas that will help you live truly fulfilling lives. Today I'm speaking with David Meltzer. David grew up really poor, so all he wanted to do was make a load of money so he could buy his mum a house and a car. He became the CEO of the world's first ever smartphone. He retired early, bought his mum the house, bought a golf course, a ski mountain, countless houses, and I think at one point he had a net worth of over $120 million. Then he lost everything, every single penny. I think they even took his mum's house. However, that's not the end of the story. He made it all back again. He became the CEO of the world's most notable sports agency before co-founding Sports One Marketing, one of the world's leading sports and entertainment marketing agencies. However, despite his amazing business success, that's actually not why I invited him on today. The thing I find most interesting, because I've been following, I've been following him for a while, is his mindset. He's He's just got this amazing approach to business and to life, which I think you all find super inspiring. And it makes you it makes you look at things like business and how we approach a lot of things in a totally different way. He's an award-winning humanitarian. He's an international public speaker, a best-selling author. The list goes on and on. Dave, thank you so much for being here. Oh, wow. You know, as my mom would say, her other kids are doctors and lawyers. So that was a hell of a hell of an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> One thing um, I was I was checking out lots of the um, yeah lots of your stuff online and one thing um, this story made me laugh where even though I think you were doing really well at the time you would be walking around every day with socks covered in holes you wore the same pair of socks every single day for yeah. three years because you thought they were lucky and so it was I think you were in New York you were in the East Coast it was covered in snow and you had shoes with holes in them and you had socks with holes in them yeah I love that. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny because I still have that personality trait. People ask me, you know, I have uh, these bracelets. I trace calligraphies. And, you know, people ask me, well, does it work? And I'll say, look, there's only two things I know about good luck or, or what you believe works. Is one, what's the risk? And two, does it work for you? And, uh, you know, it took a lot of courage to stop wearing those socks and shoes after all those years. I actually also wore the same suits. I was given a hand-me-down three suits from my dear friend because – when I started my first job, I couldn't afford anything. I, you know, I had a hundred thousand dollar law loans, and I literally to interview to to start my job, I had to borrow hand me down suits, and I just, you know, everything was working so well from day one. I didn't want to change it, and so, uh, you know, I went ahead and started breaking those trends and picking up some new things to really establish good luck and good karma and a good mindset. Everything in your life, as I mentioned in the intro to start with, was about being rich it was about having money your whole identity was success and then going from that to bankrupt obviously that was a massive moment but how did more in terms of the actual identity when did your identity change was it like I, I know you started already um working for um the sports agency so I think when the bankruptcy actually happened you were already on the road to building your life back up but what tell me about your identity and how that that shift yeah, so I call it a quantum shift, and it happened about two years before I actually had to claim bankruptcy. Um, the quantum shift started by, first of all, several different uh, moments of, of warnings in my life. The first was when I was 30 years old. You may have heard this story, but you know, my father uh, was n not around growing up. He was my hero when I was five, but at 10 years old, he forgot my birthday, and it was crushing. And because he was so hurt, the worst thing he did was tell me that he didn't forget my birthday, but instead he didn't believe in birthdays. So 
for all the next years, my father ignored what to me was a significant day because he wanted to prove that he was right. Uh, he had several ego issues. But at my 30th birthday, my first warning came. And that was my dad gave me a birthday present that said, please give me a call. Happy birthday to a son who's just like me. And I opened it up. It was a beautiful blazer. And I called him up. And as I'm calling him up, I'm trying the blazer on. And I'm so touched because the blazer fits me perfectly, which means he actually took the time to call my wife and figure out my size. But moreover, I opened it up as I'm talking to him and everything's torn out on the inside, the lining, the pockets, everything. So I immediately go to a really dark place, a place of hurt and shame. And I'm like, dad, why'd you do this? You know, are you punishing me for something else now? And he said to me, no, I'm worried that you're just like me. That jacket's not for wearing, it's for putting in your closet and looking at every day to remind you. I'm like, remind me that you're a jerk? And he said, no, to remind you that you can't take anything with you when when you're gone. I don't want you to be the richest man in the cemetery. And uh, you know, he said, I'm sorry, but you're just like me and I'm worried about you. And uh, that resonated a little bit. A couple of years later, my wife and my best friend both gave me warning shots that I'm, you know, my, my best friend told me I was surrounding myself with the wrong people and he didn't want to hang out with me. And I lied to myself and said, yeah, but I'm not doing what they're doing. And he said, don't lie to yourself. You can lie to me. And then the final straw was my wife telling me she wasn't happy. Uh, when she caught me lying and coming home late at night and intoxicated and other things. And uh, that's two years before the bankruptcy that I went back from my wife's support and took stock in who I was. And that quantum shift to live in gratitude, empathy, accountability, and effective communication to start living my life by shifting the paradigm of value to be of service, changing my prayer in the morning to make God put 10 people in front of me I can help, trusting the universe that value will come my way, living a passionate, purposeful, and profitable existence. And all of that has really helped me accelerate. The hardest part of going bankrupt was going to tell my mom I lost her house. The only reason I wanted to be rich, I had to go tell her. She had to move out of her house. But that ended up being the most positive lesson, too, because she wasn't even affected. She didn't even blink and told me that she loved me and there's anything she could do for me. Did I need any money? She never once made me feel guilty or bad or anxious or fearful about losing. And she also had 100 percent confidence in me. So did my wife that I had done it before. And this time I was going to do it again, but for the benefit of others, not the benefit of myself. I think what's interesting is that you don't shy away from talking about things like, you know, the universe, like kind of, you know, energy, putting stuff out there. Um, one thing I found particularly interesting is when you talked about the universe doesn't know size. So you believe it's just as good to pick up some trash and throw it away, um, put a trolley back at the grocery store than it is to give away a million dollars. So this idea of a big deed or a small deed, that's a human construct. Say your whole focus, your mindset is about gratitude is about adding value try and make the pie bigger for everyone give 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 when you decide to ask be it like you've got your vision board your goals this is what i want to do why is it so important not to sell ourselves short by just only asking for small things why should we ask big yeah so because there's enough of everything for everyone and if you really are more interested than interesting then you should have you should be a big enough vessel to ask big so that it can come through you for others. I'm an appreciator with a duality. Most people think of appreciation as just being grateful, not me. I believe in the true sense of the word appreciation, which is be grateful for what I'm able to attract to myself as much as I can and allow it to come through me and add value, appreciate what I've attracted. 
When your house appreciates, it adds value. So when I'm grateful for what I've received, I sit in a state of receivership for others. Things, they can't come, I'm not a victim, so nothing happens to me, right? Nothing happens to me. I used to be someone that everything happened for me, but I wasn't big enough. Therefore, I couldn't ask big enough. But when everything, when I'm in receivership and I allow things, appreciate everything that comes to me, I'm so grateful, and then add value and appreciate what I've received so I can give it to others, then the more that I ask for, the more I can give for others. So why would I ask small? And we don't know the on the reciprocity of that. We don't know the ripple effect of picking up a piece of trash or putting a, a shopping cart together. I'll tell you, I was at the beach at my beach house this weekend. And I am pulled, energetically pulled to help people. And I noticed a gentleman sitting on the beach, obviously homeless. And I'm all the way, maybe a half a mile when I first recognized down the beach. And I walked all the way over, came over, startled him. I could tell he was a little afraid. But, you know, I gave him money without a request. I walked all the way over and I said, hey, I saw you over here. I looked, it looked like you needed help. How can I be of service? Can I give you some money? And he lit up and you never know, right? That's a little deep. That's a little deep. But you never know that that little act could change something in his mind that gives him faith that, God, you know, this isn't a bad place. Maybe I should treat myself better. There are people that care about me, right? And and I, I see things, only we sense little and small, but, you know, it's a touch of favor that you can not only receive, but give to others by appreciating the touch of favors that you've received and change their lives in a whole way you'll never know. Yeah, absolutely. I, I love the, um, and you can't even, because when, when, you, when you just give freely, when it's not, it's not an exchange, it's not to give to get, when you just give freely, then even though you're not, even though this isn't why you're doing it, these, these crazy coincidences, like amazing chance encounters like literally like life becomes so incredible when you just just give 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 and then suddenly things just start flowing and like you, you can't necessarily articulate why and it sounds a bit like woo but just life life kind of just life is life just makes sense and it just it flows doesn't it that's the key word right there the understanding of flow demands that you trust the universe and you're a vessel to put things through and appreciate when you understand and can even articulate the word flow Mm. right? This, this flow that, that we're in this flow. And that's why it's so important to be in receivership and give away what you have, because you don't know what you have until you've given it away. And that's true about gratitude. It's true about accountability. It's true about forgiveness, and especially true about any physical, material, monetary things that we have. You don't know what you have until you've given it away. And you truly can't add value to it until you've given it away. Uh, and we're only so big. So if you're trying to hold on to things and live in a world of not enough or more than enough or a universe of scarcity, all you're doing by putting faith into those things is making sure that your life always is full of not enough, that you never have enough. And that's why so many people that have so much, uh, find themselves empty, find themselves with addictions and obsessions, find themselves unhappy and unfulfilled, uh, which is the lesson that I learned as I dreamed and had a passion and a purpose to be profitable, to buy my mom a house in a car, to always have this ability to allow things to come through me for others. And then when I started having them just come for me, after I bought my mom the house in the car, there wasn't enough. 
So I bought more things and different things. And I'll tell you, every single day I lived less and less fulfilled. I didn't live with passion and purpose. I had profit, but sooner or later it was overflowing. And what happened is that I felt empty and therefore trying to fulfill it with things that don't matter. And I had to shift that paradigm. I had to have a quantum shift. I had to elevate my awareness. I had to learn about the ego, learn about time, learn about meditation, learn about peace, learn about understanding to not react, but to go back to center so that I could build my vessel big enough to hold and allow things to come through me for the benefit of others. And that's where I live every day. I have a real simple philosophy. I rush I rush into my office and I rush home. I rush to appointments and interviews and, and speaking engagements and I rush home. Uh, I am so excited. I, I would tell anyone if I could give you one simple lesson that I'm practicing every day is that I get to do attitude. You know, my wife, once again, who's so enlightened, pointed it out to me when I had to drive. I was traveling for like six days. And first thing when I got home, she told me to pick up my 14-year-old on a, a carpool. And I'm like, do I got to I got to go pick her up? And she looked at me like, I thought you are a guru. I thought people watch your videos. Are you kidding me? Like, you got to go pick her up? All I hear from you is how much you love, appreciate, and want to be with your 14-year-old, and she won't give you the time of day. I'm giving you an opportunity to be with her for a half an hour, one-on-one, just the two of you to learn more about her, connect to her emotionally, allow you to show her, not tell her how to live your life. And your reaction is, I got to do it. Shame on you, right? You get to go pick up your daughter. And it clicked in my head. Come on, David. I know you're a hypocrite. You got lessons to learn. You get to do everything. Find the blessings in everything and everyone, and your life will be extraordinary, extraordinary. Appreciation is extraordinary, right? Adding value, being above a higher vibration, so allowing you to liberate others, to elevate others, to liberate and elevate yourself. I found a really interesting point. You have mentioned the world, uh, the idea of world of not enough. Three types of energy states that people often live in. I love that bit because it just it made it really clear. Because immediately you come, you knew where your mindset is. You knew what people you interact with. Three types of energy states. Can you share them? Yeah, one is a world of just is a world of not enough, and that's it doesn't matter how much you have. It's a mindset of living in a world. There's always more. I need more. I need more. I never have enough. Then there's the world of just enough, and there's a majority of people that live in the world like I just have enough, right? I just got enough. If I just could do this. And then there's the world of Sorry, more than on, on, on the just enough. Yeah. Is, is just, to, just to flesh that one out, would that be a perfect example of they've just got enough money till the end of the month, but they're always living paycheck to paycheck? Is that the perfect example of the world of just enough? Perfect example. Okay. And they limit how much they could give to others because they think that they only have just enough for themselves to get by gotcha. food, housing. Yeah, it's, it's a, it, it, a lot of uh, Americans live in the world of just enough. You know, and I live there if I just had enough to buy my mom a house and a car. Right. That was my world. Just enough. And then I started moving to, you know, the, the world where I, of not enough, even though I made so much. There was just not enough. There's I needed more and more and more different things and more and more. And it's so empty. But then then the world of actually more than enough. And there's so many examples. Uh, there's an island of, of people that have lived and survived 200,000 people that live and survive off of trash. But they live in a world of more than enough. They created a complete universe around everyone has more than enough of everything for everyone. Kenya, where I do a lot of work uh, in the Bagani and the Masamari, 
uh, it's amazing, right? Everyone's smiling. They, they, it's a world of more than enough for everyone and everyone. They create all types of different systems. Um, that abundance, that philosophy of enough of everything for everyone allows you to get into the flow, right? You got to empty your vessel. There's no way you're emptying your vessel for, you know, an appreciation if you don't live in a world of more than enough. You certainly can't do it in a world of not enough, and you rarely do it in a world of just enough. Even people that live in just enough and give, they only give as if they have just enough, right? And I I see it all the time. They, They don't abundantly give. If I'm listening to this and I'm thinking, you know what, hands up, I'm a scarcity mindset person or I'm just enough kind of person. I'm thinking, I'm guessing appreciation is going to be one of them, like giving freely. What, what, how can we make those steps? How can I get into a more abundant mindset? You know, it's practice. You know, I'll use the example, you know, you got to practice. You got to start trusting the universe. So when I started, when I lost everything, house, I, I rented a house, I rented furniture. I took my first paycheck. And the only reason I got to go to college was someone gave me a scholarship. And so I took part of my paycheck and Warren Moon, Hall of Fame quarterback, had a Crescent Moon Foundation where he gave scholarships to kids based on their community give back. I went to my high school to give a scholarship with that money. I asked my wife, is this going to be okay? Because we have, she was pregnant with my fourth child, my son, three daughters that weren't even, you know, 15 yet. Uh, you know, that means college, graduate schools, weddings, et cetera. We didn't own our own houses or cars. And yet I gave that check and I asked her, is this okay? And her response was, oh, you're finally getting it. That's what she said to me. I go, yeah. She goes, you trust the universe. I go, I do. And I did, but I did, right? I was still kind of living in a world of just enough. And in my mind, I'm like, all right, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to practice Right. I mean, and I still was also probably in a mindset of trading. If I give this, I'll get more. Unconditional giving is not trading. And what happened is I kept practicing. And every time I wrote a check, oh, my wife did say, if you really trust the universe, double the check. And I said, I don't trust the universe that much. (laughs) (laughs) But I practiced. I practice and I keep practicing. And sooner or later, the more I trust it, the more I stop trading, the more I unconditionally live with no judgments or conditions. I simply know I live in a world of more than enough and I need to empty my my vessel. This is a blessing. I need to get rid of this. I need to help other people more than I, I have everything I need. If I didn't have everything I need, I wouldn't be here, right? Everything else is just a condition or a judgment of what I think I want. It's an illusion of some sort of ego-based thing that's gonna make me feel good. But I know one thing, there's only one truth that makes you feel good and that's the gift. Give your love, give your money, give your time. Giving is the most extraordinary thing spiritually, emotionally, biochemically. If you give, serotonin is even released in your brain and it makes you happy. It's released into the person's brain that receives it and makes them happy. But even cooler than that, everyone that witnesses it, serotonin is released and it makes them happy. So I want to be in that spirit. I want to be in that energy of abundance, of more than enough. I want to have enough of everything for everyone and I want to be one of the vessels to, to allow it to happen. Thank you, Dave. I'm, I know you're a busy man. I'm cautious of your time. How can people find out more about you? Where can we send them? Yeah. So, uh, you know, first follow me at David Meltzer on Instagram. You can Google David Meltzer and it'll bring up, you know, website, LinkedIn, Facebook, anywhere you want to reach me. Luckily, I got some strong uh, SEO. So the easiest way to do it is either follow me at David Meltzer or Google David Meltzer. That's like Seltzer with an M, M-E-L-T-Z-E-R. I'd love it. Uh, you know, I literally live 
and anyone that can share my content and do good deeds uh, and be kind to your future self by doing so, uh, I'm all for it. Reach out. How can I be of service? And is anybody out there that can help me? Two critical questions you can always ask. And his vision is he wants to change the world. He wants to help people be happy. That's a vision that we share. So amen. Thank you very much, Dave. And hopefully we'll stay in touch. Anytime. Look forward to hearing from you again. Thank you. Thank you.